Welcome back. This week was supposed to be the week where pitchers and catchers were to report to spring training. Instead, MLB and the Players Union have yet to come to a deal to end the lockout. If this continues, not only will the spring training be shortened or pushed, which actually, in fact, today they announced that spring training will be pushed, but the regular season will also be affected as well. But just because Major League Baseball is fighting with itself doesn't mean there's no baseball to talk about. I am Grayson Knight, and this is Baseball Podcast Our Fun. Today's guest is Adam Leverett of the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Adam is a right-handed pitcher from Georgia and just so happens to have been one of my pitching instructors over the winter. Please welcome Adam Leverett. How's it going? Good, Grayson. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for coming on to the show. Before we get into it, can you tell the listeners where you're speaking from today? So currently I'm down in uh, Clearwater, Florida, which is the site of our uh, spring training facilities and um, down here for mini camp, which is going to uh, is two weeks before uh, regular minor league spring training. Uh, so Clearwater is near Tampa. I'm yeah, clear. So there's a, there's a bridge that's about or a causeway uh, that's about 25 minutes uh, across it, or you know the duration it takes to get across that. So just a little skip across, but it's it's pretty close. Can you explain why you can report to spring training, but major leaguers can't? So the reason we can report uh, spring training is because none of the guys that are currently here getting ready to go to spring training are on the 40 man roster, which the 40 man roster is protected by a union called the MLBPA, the players association. And um, currently there, as you mentioned in your intro are um, locked out between the owners and them on agreeing on a contract. And uh, so all the people that are here are not on that 40 man roster. And uh, that's the reason that I can be down here participating. I want to come back to your spring training in a moment. But can you please tell us about your background? Where exactly did you grow up? So I'm from a little town uh, called Macon, Georgia. That's about an hour and a half south of Atlanta or mm-hmm. the area that, that y'all are located in. And mm-hmm. um, it's uh, I went to high school at Mountain Sales Academy and it's a little private school, which is the area is kind of dominated by private schools around there. Um, and it was a good upbringing. I went there from six through 12th and then graduated and went to Gordon State for two years. And after Gordon State, I was committed to Georgia Southern. And uh, in that summer, that draft of 2019 is when I got drafted in the 15th round to the Phillies. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what ended landed me here. Uh, did you consider trying out for Atlanta or somewhere near Georgia? So um, I talked to probably – 20 or so of the, of the, of the okay. uh, clubs, um, whether that be through like a, they have these little um, questionnaires that are, mm-hmm. that, that are, have questions in them. And um, a couple of those, the, they'll send those to you and they may not contact you. So I had a couple of those that also talked to a couple of teams over the phone and uh, the Phillies were one of them. Uh, there was a you know handful, probably about 10 that I talked to on the phone, maybe more, uh, but Atlanta actually, I filled out an Atlantic questionnaire, but they never did anything more than that. So I think I might have been on their radar, but um, ultimately just didn't get picked by them. It's kind of yeah. the draft. They Whoever drafts you, drafts you. You know, you don't really have much of a say. 
as far as that goes. How did you end up coaching at uh, GBA where you coached me for pitching? So it's kind of funny. I um, put together a little flyer because I just I know one of the um, things going on with the minor leagues uh, and in baseball, you don't really get paid. You don't get paid at all in the offseason. So I was trying to make a little extra money and give back to the community. Um, I really enjoy helping, uh, you know, young ball players try and uh, per, uh, perfect their craft, so to speak. But um, I, I landed there because I trained at a place called Full Count Baseball, which is in uh, Winder. And, um, yeah, that's where I trained this offseason. And I lived up there. So I put together a little flyer. And mm-hmm. Juan actually found me on Facebook because I put that on Facebook. And uh, he reached out and was like, hey, man, like, love to maybe start a pitching clinic with you. And we kind of just kept talking from there. And it was mm-hmm. – uh, we, we both got along really well and thought we could help out mm-hmm. the community. So that's what we did. Uh, in, like, early October at a full count tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, know, I don't think you were there, but I did. Have no, that's uh, that the fields out there though. The, the, yeah. Talking about the, yes. the yeah. And yeah, I think Juan, um. Uh, yeah, coach Coach Juan is my coach. Who you were talking about? Yeah, um, yeah, great dude. Mm-hmm. He's he's a very great coach and very great pitching coach. Uh, were mm-hmm. were you ever coached by him? Uh, no, so I, I I wasn't. Um, we just he was in the Blue Jays organization, and I I only met him through Facebook, uh, like the ad that I put out for myself and giving lessons. So um, no, but we uh, bounce some ideas off each other and we think pretty similarly about pitching. So mm-hmm. speaking of that, besides GBA, did you go anywhere else to like to, instruction? Um, so I had uh, some private instruction at, at um, it was actually at full count that uh, were just, I had a group of uh, about, uh, 11 to 15 year old, uh, guys that were coming through and, um, I was running them through a lesson that was pretty similar to what I ran y'all through at GBA. Mm-hmm. It was just on Sundays, which I had some free time on that. So when you were my age, had you already settled on being a pitcher or did you have different favorite positions? Great question. So when I was your age, I was all over the place. I, I was a, a pitcher. You're 11. 12? 12. 12. 12. Okay. Almost. When I was 12, I had not settled on being a pitcher. I didn't settle on being a pitcher until my second year of college, actually. So I hit one year in college or the one, uh, and I played first base. I played center field. I played third base. So it's kind of all around. I, I really enjoyed hitting, playing other positions, and I thought it was fun. The whole game of baseball to me was super fun. So, I thought uh, I, I didn't have to really choose until I got older. Uh, speaking of hitting, uh, what were your emotions when um, – have they decided uh, – if if or when Major League Baseball will decide that uh, they will go universal DH, what, what will your emotions be like? So, I mean, I think they have decided to go universal yeah, I, I, DH. I, I, I'm pretty sure they have. Um, one of the one of the few things they've they've agreed on, but uh, I think that um, my emotions to that I think it's to, if if I have to say I think it'll be good for the game as far as where they're trying to to push it to go I think they want more offense you know they want more competitive abs and uh, runs scored that's not to say that some pitchers can't hit you know you mentioned 
Mm-hmm. Or you, you think about Zach Grinke, you think about Bumgarner, guys that can really swing it. Um, I think for them, they probably will – it'll take some of, you know, you know, not their love for the game. They're always going to love the game. But I think it might impact them a little more, you know, guys that really could swing it. And some guys, it's, it's going to be a mixed bag. But for me, I would like to get some ABs, honestly. Um, but I think that if my chance has a better team to win without me hitting, then, uh, you know, that, that's kind of what I'm all for is just, just trying to have the best chance to win. So um, will I miss it? Yes. Uh, does it – am I really going to lose sleep over it? No. But, I mean, I think it's – either. I would have liked it either, either way. So mm-hmm. uh, Does the minor league get affected by that rule? It does. So um, mm-hmm. the rule before was double A AA and triple A. They could – they hit when it was a National League opponent versus a National League opponent. Okay. But now um, – if once that rule's in place, then then there's not going to be any uh, – no no one hitting, no pitchers hitting at least anymore. Okay. Uh, because most of my listeners are my age, what kind of sacrifices uh, must be made to get to the college and pro levels? So that's that's another great question. Um, when I was your age and, you know, your, your listeners' age, I, I really – I was just thinking about what, you know, kids think about, like – going through the day, you know, going, having a good practice, hitting balls hard, like, you know, what, you know, throwing balls hard. I I wasn't trying to, you know, really get to the next level, but the sacrifice you have to make, I think, are putting in work behind the scenes. I think that's a really huge, um, you know, importance for kids that are your age, because a lot of kids that are 12, you know, they just, they go to practice and they go home and they might not think about it. They might hop on a game or they might, which is fine too. You can always have downtime, but I think what separates guys is that when they they weren't good at something and then they, they take it home with them and they're like, hey, I want to be better at this. So they might go out in the yard and I used to throw a ball up against some steps, a brick steps and like practice fielding it because I, you know, wasn't the best at fielding. So I was like, I just think, you know, the biggest separator is like kids at your age will use what they have and try and get better. And um I think that's really all you can ask for. That doesn't mean, you know, only doing baseball 100% of the time. I think that you still need to be balanced and with your life and, you know, religion and, you know, your upbringing and all that. But I think that uh, using what you got to get better and using that to the best of your abilities is going to separate guys that don't use all their resources. In college, were you getting a lot of looks from scouts? And what was it like talking to them? So when – up to college, I my freshman year, I was not a heavily followed prospect by any means. I um, was just kind of figuring it out. Uh, I was a little uh, thinner, so I had put on some weight um, going into that sophomore year. But I was – talking to scouts was nervous, man. Uh, it was nerve-wracking. Uh, I remember I didn't have an agent, so I was doing all of it myself. And when one would text me and approach me, I'd – I felt like I didn't, I wanted to say all the right things, but I think the biggest thing was you just got to be yourself and um, get guidance from others that have been through that situation. But um, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I I really, to be honest with you, the first fall of of that part of the, um, uh, so the spring was when our main season was right. And that was when most of the the scouts came out. So in the fall, it was mainly just college scouts and I hadn't signed yet to Georgia Southern or committed to Georgia Southern. So, once I committed to Georgia Southern, I really didn't think about the draft at all. Sophomore year of the year I was getting drafted, I was just like, man, I got that weight off my shoulders like I committed. And I didn't – you know, pro scouts weren't really showing up yet in the fall. Um, and then once the spring hit and I'd already committed, 
I didn't even think about it, but like my first start, there was like six scouts there, seven scouts there. And coach Mack was like, they're here. My, my head coach in college was like, they're here for you. And I was like, wow. Like I didn't even, like I had no idea that that, that was, that I had been noticed like that. So I remember that game. I did not throw very well. I threw like 40 pitches in the bullpen and did a whole bunch of stuff that I don't usually do, which is kind of touches back on my point I made earlier about just being yourself and like mm-hmm. not letting them, they're there to watch you do your routine and you're not going to do anything wrong in your routine. You know, like they're not looking to put bad marks by your hand. They're only looking to put what you did well and, you know, maybe what you could work on, but they're not, you know, out there looking at every minute detail there. And I think, when you think that way, it just throws your game off. So it was a fun process, but um, I mean, it was a, a little nerve wracking. Yeah. What does your spring look like for you? Like as far as the, uh, this right here, like mini camp and spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly right now we uh, are just kind of, we report in the mornings and we eat breakfast. They give us you know three meals a day, which is really nice. Uh, but we, kind of we meet we have some new staff so we're meeting some of the new strength coaches and the new like pitching coaches and uh people that are behind the scenes that that work with us so meeting them and, and kind of having meet just meetings about signs meetings about um you know all sorts of baseball activities and then we stretch and we throw and we um go through pfps like pitching fundamentals and then we have bullpens on certain days so it's kind of just like the same stuff we were doing in the off season a little bit, just more structure. If MLB spring training happens, will you be pitching for the Phillies at some point? So that's a good question. So um, I don't know the complete answer to that question. What I was told is that some of us may be backing up those games or be scheduled to throw in those games at some point in time, depending on, the readiness of uh, the guys that show up for big league camp. So what that means is obviously there's going to be a handful of guys, you know, the group of us down here that are going to be pretty game ready. And if, uh, if, and when they, they make this agreement, um, then they will, the guys that are showing up there aren't going to be as ready if they haven't, you know, if they didn't have the resources to get ready. So that's been a, a conversation that's, kind of been floated around between the guys none of us really know but they're kind of told I think the majority of us that there was a chance that if that time comes and there are spots that need to be you know that that need to be filled um, that your your name could be called so it's pretty exciting to work for and to look forward to I guess what I want to know is do you think this is your year the year you get called up and get significant innings in the big leagues um so that's it's been obviously a goal of mine since I was your age for that to happen. Um, I like to be realistic, and I think that um, last year I started in high A, made it to double A, had two spot starts in triple A, which was pretty cool, and then ultimately finished in double A. So I think that I'm going to have to prove. Um, I think I proved last year that I was that I had what it takes. I think this year I'm just going to have to put up some solid numbers at the start and uh, kind of see how. the the big league season pans out, but um, I don't think it's impossible. I'll put it to you that way. Um, But I, I, you know, am I, I think next year I probably would obviously be in an even higher position. So I think that if not this year, then the next year, but um, you know, good Lord willing to staying healthy and and keep getting better. So that's just, you know, aspirations of mine, you know, they haven't, 
they don't really communicate that with you. That's more of like, um, you know, it's kind of what you just strive for, you know, and then until that time is called, you never really know when it's, when it's going to be. So um, you just kind of have to stay ready. And that's kind of what I'm going to do this year and what I'm going to do in the years following too. Adam, I end my podcast with these four questions. Please give us as much or as little information as you want. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Personally, does Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Okay, great question. Um, I'm going to give you kind of a roundabout answer in a way. I think what they should do with those two guys is um, because I have a pretty good idea of when they started using, or at least to my knowledge, when they started using. I think they should, a team of experts in that field of, you know, research or study should go and grab his stats before that it was universally almost known that he was using um, PDs. And I think they should um, bring those stats, you know, up and compare them to players that are already in the hall. And if those stats are equivalent or better to people that are in the hall of fame, then I don't see why he shouldn't be in there. If, if it's before, you know, if his stats are better before he started using. Um, Great idea. I think that I, I hadn't heard that idea. It kind of just came up in my head. I think that that's a fair way to do it, you know, because you can't argue like he was that player before. And I think that that would make a lot of people happy. And um, I think it would, it, it makes sense. You know, it's, it's, it's in all fairness. It's not bending the rules or, or anything like that. He was that player before. And I think he was a really good player. So I think there's, that maybe should be addressed. Would you pick them? Like right now, would you pick them to be in the Hall of Fame? Um, I would. I would propose the way I just. I just said to do it. Um, you know, I'd. I'd, I'd bring it to that committee and um, I'd say, hey, this needs to be a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the way I I would go about it because I think that that pleases both sides. So, I can't say like that. That that's kind of where I'm at with that. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite player of all time? Oof, good question. So it, it kind of rotates a little bit, which I know is a little weird. I don't have one singular player. Look, growing up when I was your age and, and coming through, uh, you know, baseball and all that, I really love Clayton Kershaw. I don't know why. I just because, I mean, I'm not left-handed and I don't, you know, my, my changeup is my best pitch. So I don't throw a great curveball like he does. So. I don't know. I just thought the way he went about his business, I thought he was the best pitcher in baseball for a while. Um, and now it has kind of shifted to, if you want a guy that I role model that I kind of look up to as a guy, you know, Garrett Cole, I think he's phenomenal. I think he throws the baseball really well, really efficient. So um, I like the old players, you know, I really like Chipper Jones, um, home, hometown guy. Um, and then some of those other, uh, other older pitchers, Nolan Ryan, you know, guys like that. So, um, but I'd say Garrett Cole and Clayton Kershaw are the two guys that I probably um, grew up watching and getting to know. Do you think you'll be able to play with Clayton Kershaw one day or Garrett Cole? Uh, maybe Garrett Cole. Um, I think Kershaw might be, you know, getting close to um, retiring or he would, would be maybe one day. So I, I'm not sure. Um, that would be really cool if, uh, if, if that would happen. But um yeah, I can, you know, I can only only hope that that one day mm-hmm. maybe I could speak to them and, you know, the, say I looked up to them and they motivated me. What is your favorite baseball movie of all time? 
man, I'm going to have to go with the bench warmers. <laughs> I mean, the bench warmers to me was, is, is my favorite baseball movie. It's not inspirational really. And it is in a way, I guess, but, um, I just remember me and one of my best friends, we used to watch that movie as kids and we would quote it all the time. So it's got some funny one-liners. And I think it, the reason I love it so much is it brings like that fun of the game and like, you know, it's not just all serious. It's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of clowny and funny in a way. So I, I think that's a great movie. And finally, what was your favorite baseball experience, either as a fan or a player? Mm-hmm. Favorite baseball experience as a fan or a player. As a player, I'd probably say was my start in AAA, the first one I had against the um, the, triple, the Yankees team in AAA. I thought that, man, that crowd, I just remember their, their feeling like they were on top of me. It wasn't, you know, it was a nice park. And um, just I pitched really well that game. I, I gave up one run and um, had a handful of strikeouts. So, um, and the way the guys who were in the clubhouse were really cool and being – having guys play behind me that have played in the bigs, I thought that was really neat. I mean, I thought that, you know, a couple of our infielders had played in the bigs, a couple of our outfielders had too. So that was just really neat that they had been, you know, where I'm trying to get and they were the ones being my defense. So as a player, um, or sorry, that was as a player, as a fan, I got the opportunity to go to uh, the world series game, uh, game five of the world series. And that was, that was really neat to, to see um, that. So this one of 2021, yeah, 2021. Yeah, it was um it was that was a really cool experience to see there see that atmosphere and you know mm-hmm. cool that you know it they they didn't win it but it was it was neat. Mm-hmm. Thank you Adam. I really appreciate you making time for me today. I love learning from you at GBA over the winter and you taught me even more today. I hope you'll consider coming back on the show once you're a huge star. So, did you have fun today? Absolutely, Grayson. It's been a great, a pleasure um, being on this interview with you. I thought you asked some great questions. I thought um, I might have rambled a little bit, but I wanted to give you all true, um, you know, stuff that came from my heart and that uh, true responses, not not scripted. So I liked that it was that I wasn't prepared for it. You know that and that was questions that came right from you. So I, I think that's awesome. And um, I'd ask you. I'm gonna ask you one question. Um, what is the one thing you've been working on right now in your game? Like, what do you mean right now? Like with pitching, what's the one thing you've been working on? Just one thing, just like uh, that you've I've, been thinking about or that you, you know, have – can't I've, like you lose sleep over? I've gotten a better curveball. Uh, okay. Like, um, I can't really explain what, it. What's made, that, what's made that curveball get better? Like well, hand position I, or – I The grip, I, I – Tried new. I tried a new grip out, and it's been uh, better for me. And the rotation of my of the spin instead of this way, I go down, like you taught me. Yep, yep. That's um super important right there, and uh, good for me to remember as well. And a lot of you know probably your your listeners what you're just doing there with your hand. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, I'm just just glad you had something to tell me that you're getting better at right there. Shows that I think you know you're one of the you're already ahead of the guys that are around your age and um getting knowledge from other people and older guys is the best way to do it thanks so much if you want to follow adam leverett's career in the phillies organization you can check out his instagram at adam 14 and thank you to my listeners 
If you like what you're hearing, you can help me out by following my Instagram page at Baseball Podcasts Are Fun, subscribing on Spotify, and telling a friend. Please join me next week when I hope to speak to Eric Osberg, a catcher from the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Until then, I am Grayson Knight, and this was Baseball Podcasts Are Fun. Don't forget to swing for the fences. See ya.